gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. The Friday edition has arrived. We're back, baby. We are. Trey Wallace joins us in uh, roughly 40 minutes or so from now. He's got some news on the NCAA and what they're doing with the Tennessee investigation, trying to roll some other investigations and cases into one another uh, and, and pair everything together. We'll get the latest from Trey there. Plus, uh, he's in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Looking forward to that. And uh, Ryan Leaf on the show in hour number two as we wrap up the week. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. I'm ready to roll. Uh, finally, it seems as though the SEC and the Big Ten are ready to roll. I love this. They, we kept asking, when will Greg Sankey speak? Well, he What did. does he have to say he about has. this? Uh, he says, hey, big pictures need to be resolved uh, within the NCAA. The primary focus and it shouldn't be distracted by specific matters, specifically to Tennessee is what he's being asked about. Uh, this coming to clarify... Uh, what the alliance means. The alliance is the SEC and the Big Ten. We were always headed to this. This is something that was inevitable. And today, we at least get this joint partnership between the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, both conferences announcing this earlier today. SEC and Big Ten announced the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and ADs to address significant challenges facing college athletics and opportunities for the betterment of the student-athlete experience. This is no coincidence that it's happening right now as you look around and know that no one, the governing body of the NCAA is not really in charge here. They're trying to be. But Chad, here we are with an alliance that ultimately features the leaders of college athletics. Tony Petiti with the Big Ten and Greg Sankey with the Southeastern Conference. And the NCAA should not take a step back, just... Sit in neutral, park it for a moment, sit back and watch leaders lead because this is how they'll go about things behind the scenes, not out in public, not commenting on investigations. And they will also go about it with a unified front, listening instead of acting, instead of throwing, throwing things against the wall and finding out what sticks and what doesn't. This is the, the, the same NCAA who said, hey, we're going we're gonna to listen to all sides here. We want, we want ideas. We want to find a solution. I don't really hear many solutions being thrown out there. And at least we're getting to a point, Chad, where the real leaders, Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, leading the front with presidents, ADs, officials, we're going to see more of a, an active effort to find something that is a middle ground. Find something that, I mean, maybe we see some, both sides come together. Both sides meaning the wild, wild west and what it used to be. Because it doesn't seem like the NCAA is trying to really consider the true issues that are before us. Do I like everything that's going on? No. Do I understand why uh, the NCAA took a step back because of all the lawsuits? Sure I do. But I don't know how they step back into the forefront of all of this and act like they're actually going to have some type of power to enforce different issues facing college sports when the Supreme Court ruled on the Austin case the way it did. They know that. We all know that. Every independent university knows this. State by state, they know this. And they're calling their bluff. And the only way to get it to stop is to have the true power of the power conferences have some unified front to form something that can be 
a middle ground. And the NCAA isn't going to do that because they have no power. Now the voices are speaking, but they're doing it behind the scenes. And thank God they are. And I really hope that in this, they're, they're announcing this as the formation of a joint advisory group of presidents, chancellors, and ADs. They need to listen to the coaches who have been speaking from a mountaintop about this. And they need to listen to the athletes. They need to listen to the collectives. They need to listen to state governments. Because that's where we are. And that's really who's deciding everything. And everyone else is just reacting to where we're headed instead of actually trying to figure out the direction we're headed with this. Yeah, and they're going to be the ones that decide. The, ultimately, they're going to be the ones that collaborate and decide on the future of college sports as we know it. I'm curious to see what that future holds. We all know that football should break away. Football at the highest level is the first one that should not be governed by the NCAA. The NCAA is incapable of handling the massive business that is major college football. So they need their own league. They need their own czar of football. They need their own structure, their own rules, everything. Yep. Now, does that also include major men's college basketball that's also a moneymaker? Do they leave the NCAA? Does the NCAA get to keep anything? Do they get to keep governing men's basketball? Is there a separate governing body for all of women's sports, few of which make any money for, for universities? So do you have different governing bodies for women's sports? Do you have different governing body for college baseball? I mean, the list goes on and on of possibilities of governance when we're talking about this. But step one is major college football that we know operates in a different manner because they're making money in a different manner from the rest of these sports. So that's the first objective for Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti. The specific quotes are interesting. This from Petiti, Big Ten Commissioner. The Big Ten and the SEC have substantial investment in the NCAA, and there is no question the voices of our two conferences are integral to governance and other reform efforts. We recognize the similarity in our circumstances as well as the urgency to address the common challenges we face. Let me translate that comment. We recognize the similarity in our circumstances. We're rich AF yep. is what they're saying. We have a lot of money. We're good. We're well off. We've got the power structure of television contracts, and our teams are doing really, really well. Whether it be football, men's basketball, all the sports that really matter, from a revenue standpoint, they're crushing. That's what they're saying about similar circumstances. Now this from Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC. There are similar cultural and social impacts on our student-athletes, our institutions, and our communities because of the new collegiate athletics environment. We do not have predetermined answers to the myriad questions facing us. We do not expect to agree on everything, but enhancing interaction between our conferences will help to focus efforts on common sense solutions. We don't have predetermined answers. There are a myriad of questions. But a translation here is, we don't think that the NCAA right now should be running around investigating individual programs, trying to levy punishment against programs that there's not the answer to it. We don't know what should be done right now. No one does. So let's get together and actually form something substantial, and then we can start to go after rules violators from that point forward. So Tennessee's response to an NCAA investigation and their strong response from Donde Plowman to Athletics Director Danny White has sparked this domino effect. And I'm not saying it, it, was, it started there, but this is where it got the loudest was this past week. 
Tennessee's no-nonsense response that said, to hell with you. Yep. You were doing nothing to us. We are not under your purview. What you're doing is unethical. You're leaking stuff to the media that you have no idea what's going on. There's not a single university employee involved in this. You've reviewed thousands of text messages and phone records and everything else. No one involved the universities there. You want to go after a collective, and that's not going to happen because collectives have the right to make business and, and make money and conduct their businesses how, how they see fit. That started this domino effect now publicly, where I'm sure Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti have talked about it before, but today we get this landmark announcement from those two conferences that they are going to form the future of college football. What we have here is a Braveheart scenario, one of my favorite movies of the 90s. In Braveheart, William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, had to go meet with Robert the Bruce, the rich guy, the guy who had the clout, the guy who had the power, the guy that you could unite the clans Unite us. Unite the clans is what William Wallace said to him because he wanted to unite the Highlands and the Lowlands to defeat England, the power. Highlands, SEC, Big Ten. Lowlands, everyone else. Can Petiti and Sankey get everyone in on this? Because the only ones concerned right now with levying punishment for NIL are the have-nots. It's the D2 schools. It's the lower-end Division I schools, some of which only play college basketball, that are saying, hey, it's, it's getting carried away over there. We're actually about just a student athlete, just getting a scholarship and not making any money here, so this should not be going on. Where everyone with a brain and a set of eyes that's everywhere else is saying, of course the major programs are up to this in all of the revenue-generating sports. So if that's going on, can they unite the clans with this? Highlands, Lowlands, can William Wallace and Robert the Bruce come together to try to defeat England? By the way, they didn't defeat England in that movie. William Wallace, spoiler alert, was beheaded and tortured, and his head was placed on London Bridge, and his limbs were placed on the four corners of Scotland as a reminder not to revolt. Not going to happen in this go-around. That's Brad Bohannon. Yes. If the NCAA is England in my analogy, Hutton, that is not going to be the outcome of this movie or this real-life story. The NCAA is going to be defeated by the well, Big Ten and the SEC if that's what the Big Ten and SEC decide, ultimately, well, that they want to eliminate yeah, I don't know if they – I don't think they do. Uh, yesterday I mentioned, I, I think the NCAA and the structure and the hierarchy, the chain of command as we know it is going to change. The, the name itself may not. The association may not. Because there is a – and Sankey mentioned this. They have a big investment in the NCAA. And it's called the NCAA Tournament. Uh, while they're going to have an individual negotiation for the college football playoff, you're making a billion dollars off of March Madness. And you don't want to break away from that unless you have the, 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 the control and the power to do so. Much like... Well, and that's why I asked the question. Do they want... It's well, not, this is about they, college football mostly, but when they but, get together and have these committees, do they decide, we're going to give basketball, keep that with the NCAA, but we're going to have our own football deal? Or do you just separate it up and say, we'll take the ones that make money? You know, our new committee of power sports will now run the, Div the Division I college basketball tournament. And then where does that leave all the mid to low majors right. I mean, you that have, make up the, the tournament also? I mean, you have just in, in, in the FBS alone, you have, what, 34 of the 134 schools are represented in this alliance. But it's, yep. it's the money. It's the power. It's the, it's the media contracts, the grant of rights, all of that. And, I mean, consider who's not represented in this. Florida State. 
Clemson, Big 12. I mean, just go around. And they're going to have a substantial voice, but nothing is going to carry the weight that it does unless you're a member of these two conferences currently. And I, I think it's all, you mentioned Landmark. I think uh, you're dead on because of, where were we with Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey? Oh, not they even would, close they to wouldn't this. speak to each other. Not even close to this. They're taking shots at each other in their state of the conference uh, Zero statements. cooperation between the two conferences and with those guys. Tony Petiti, to his credit, has been a leader. Um, you can disagree with the, uh, the, the way that he suspended or had uh, discipline towards Michigan, but at least he did something. He stepped up on half of the conference and did something against a conference member. Meanwhile, uh, the governing body sits back and says the fair and square when they're hoisting the NCAA trophy uh, for the college football playoff. Um, I, I, I've been impressed with him, even yeah. though um, he could have sat back and done nothing. I don't know what Sankey would have done in the same situation, but Sankey is always planning. He's always thinking ahead. Publicly, he'll say, oh, we're good with the member institutions and programs that we have in expansion. We're, we're good. The SEC, we already have a power conference. That's true. But you better believe that he's back-channeling discussions all the time. And Tony Petiti's doing the same thing. And with a chance to come in and run things, he's put in a position of one of the power two. I think he's done a really good job of having a very loud voice in a room that is dominated by a very small group of president, chancellors, and ADs that actually carry weight and influence. Sankey's still number one for me, but Petiti's right up there now. You know, just top of mind at who's going to determine all of this. And the fact that they're partnering together to try to figure... We're still a long way away from anything here. Uh, this announcement means... It, I, I don't think they're just starting, but it means they're collaborating together. And at least we have, at least we have some leaders who are going to listen to the coaches, the ADs, administrators that have been speaking about this for years. And the NCAA is acting like the University of Tennessee, uh, the state to state, others that would, you know, bitch and complain about, hey, we need regulation, and whatever Tennessee's responding with in their statement is, goes against that. The NCAA didn't do anything. Uh, Lane Kiffin, who's benefiting, quite frankly, among the, the best of college football coaches right now in this world, in this, in this universe, atmosphere, he's even said that there needs to be regulation. Collectives are even admitting that they're, they're willing to have some structure and some guardrails to what's going on here. Um, what's the solution? There's no easy answer. There needs to be compromise. And I don't think the NCAA is willing to compromise because of the billions that are at stake. Meanwhile, you've got the conferences, Chad, that are going to make the billions because they're negotiating their media rights deals, and they've got the, they've got the broadcast. They've got the ESPNs and the Fox. They've got the networks behind them, and they're about to have the streaming services as well. And that's where the big money pops in, and I think that's when we see the transition into whatever super conference for football. But I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this for delegation purposes. I don't think the NCAA wants to delegate anything. They can't lead, and they're not willing to pass on leadership to others. Um, I think Sankey and Petiti will do that. And I think this is where we can finally see maybe a commissioner of said sport. And it starts with football, but basketball is right behind it with the, the billion dollars that they're earning from the tournament alone um, that is controlled through the NCAA. Meanwhile, you have your own governing 
stance on the college football playoff committee. Well, I, look, I, the NCAA, we, we know this time and time again, they have a complete lack of self-awareness yes. on, on everything. Because a reasonable-minded person right now, if you're running the NCAA, would say, let's just halt everything. Yep. Let's not issue any more statements about investigations into Tennessee. Right. Let's not – let's halt the five or six other, maybe more investigations we don't know of yet going on with NIL, right? There are other schools that know they're getting investigated, that it hasn't been reported yet. Let's halt everything. Treat this like Central Michigan. Let's, let's let them <laughs> – like the AD at Central Michigan. Yes. Let's let them – They're brilliant. Let's let someone else decide. Let's just go in the background. Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, they, they basically said, we got this. We're going to figure out what's next for college sports. And let's be really quiet and not do anything for a little while and just pump the brakes on everything. That's not what they're going to do, though, because they're not smart and they have no self-awareness. They're probably going to issue another statement. They're probably going to you know, try to tie in past transgressions to other schools just to try to get the scalp they're after. Trey Wallace may have a story up about that that we'll talk to him about momentarily. They're not going to stop. They're going to do the dumb thing here instead of halting everything and trying to find out what Petiti and Greg Sankey want. They're going to go full steam ahead and try to get their scalps however they can get them. My main question that's going to come out of whatever these, this summit is they're going to have in this alliance now is how do they decide to divvy things up? Is it going to be a breakaway of Big Ten SEC where they're just going to have their own national champion between the two? I doubt it. I think the first step is you got to break college football away from it. The NCAA is incapable of governing college football. I think they're incapable of governing any sport that makes money. College, men's college basketball, the same way. Any sport that drives revenue that people have such an investment in that they're going to spend a lot of dollars will inevitably lead to the players getting the money. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to try to legislate that, the NCAA is not capable of legislating any of that. You need someone else to form the rules for that. So that may be football and men's basketball. Baseball may be a piece of it at some point. But how do they divvy up the pie? And who else do they allow in? Because the ACC commissioner is not in on this. The Big 12 commissioner, right? But but Brett Yormark's not in on this. I don't think they need to be. And that's my point. To me, this is them saying, we are the powerful ones. We will decide if you get to play ball or not. Well, they kind of Big are. 12, ACC, everyone else. They're already kind of doing that. Absolutely. ESPN and other but networks are doing that too. This is a monumental day because this is them coming together for the first time and saying the quiet part out loud. We have more money than you. People care about our product more than you. Networks care about our product more than you. We will decide if you get to play or not. We may take our ball and go make all the money together. And take the, or we take may the program allow you we want to do from it. you. And that's not what's best for the sport at all, for them to do that, right. by the way. Right. What's best for the sport is, let's get the 60 to 70 or 50 to 60, whatever the number may be, programs that matter in college football and group them together. We'll allow the other conferences to play as well, but maybe they decide we don't want to do that. Maybe, maybe they decide we want all the money. Well, and these are the only two conferences that can be looked at. The other can look across the table as equals. That's why you don't, you don't need anyone else in the, as far as the, the leadership advisory role here. Um, so the group is going to have no authority to act independently, will only serve as a consulting body. Both conferences admitted that. Uh, they can say that, but they can determine whatever they want to do. Um, I, I will say this is also 
part of the same. I think they're also looking at this from the same type of stance as the NCAA, where they realize it is, I mean, timing is of the essence here. And they need, they need to figure out a structure that keeps the monetary value where it is for both conferences instead of this massive revenue share. Because if they don't do anything and sit back and watch the NCAA continue to go down this path, they're going to continue to lose in court and more rulings will lead to more money distributed elsewhere for the revenue that's coming into the conferences. If they break away, I mean, there will be a standard that's set. They could also collaborate, compromise, and figure out a structure that settles things down for the long term. You can compensate players and athletes and figure out a way to structure it to where you don't end up in the mess for where we're headed legally, maybe federally, with uh, you know, maybe, a, a, maybe get a, a law uh, through uh, legislation federally. That takes time. The quickest way to a solution is this, but it's still not going to be easy because there's going to have to be compromise. But at least I feel like those two conferences, just by making this alliance and forming this alliance alone, Chad, there's compromise there. And again, these are the only two that are equals. And if they, you mentioned the other conferences, the, the commissioners there, uh, we decide if we want you at the table, we'll pull out individual seats and we'll bring them with us. Instead of just conferences, we'll just bring individual programs with us. We determine the value. Yeah. And no one can really speak up and say anything different because it's true. Look around and look who's complaining about the money that they have compared to what everyone else is getting in this whole keeping up with the Joneses mess. And I've said it a long time before, I don't think uh, being grandfathered into this new era of college sports is going to be a thing. I think there are teams in the Big Ten and the SEC that should be worried about being a part of it. Because if you're just trying to gather the best 40 or 50 there's going to right. be a two, three schools, even in those power conferences, that likely don't make the cut uh, of drawing eyeballs, generating revenue, generating fan interest, all those things. You're going to go elsewhere to find those. So that, that may be a reality as well. Well, you also may need those universities that you want to pay the, to pay the freight to jump ship instead of paying the millions that it's going to take to potentially break these contracts that are out there. I'm saying it would be more affordable just to keep what you have. Yeah. In the mean, in the meantime, I'm yeah, certainly more secure. If I'm Vandy or uh, Mississippi State, whoever, I'm certainly more secure, and I feel great right now, given the stance that Sankey and Petiti are taking. Should college programs feel secure and safe right now, oh. thinking their coaches are in it for the long haul? If coaches, if more coaches leave head coaching positions at Power 5 schools for coordinator spots in the NFL. And the latest story is Chip Kelly, who apparently interviewed twice for the Vegas Raiders offensive coordinator job and now may be in line to get the gig in Washington. Well, and have you seen the other report that he reached out to Iowa? About being offensive coordinator? Yes. He just, I he think, just wants out. I, exactly. I think this is just a – that you put this story to the side. He – this whole thing going through last season of is he on the hot seat, is he not? And then the report got out right before... Well, the report was out that he was going to be gone. If he lost to you, yes, if he lost. And, and going into the, the backstretch of the season there, what, two games left, I think? Um, we thought he was out just because of that report. Nothing came out to you know, say anything otherwise, except at the very end, 
And now we know he's still there at UCLA. But again, like I think he's just looking to jump ship because of whatever's going on behind the scenes there. There's a lot of financial issues at UCLA. It's been going on for a while in their athletic department that they are not healthy from a finances standpoint. The move to the Big Ten was seen really as a savior for that program because they were going under the way things were in the Pac-12. They're not generating a ton of money, and, and maybe that's part of it. He just doesn't feel the support there and – that they're really struggling to make things happen, so he wants to go somewhere that's, that's more secure. Um, UCLA basketball right now under Mick Cronin, they're terrible, uh, which is pretty crazy so to think about UCLA basketball being in that situation also, but they're not a good team. So I, there's some weird stuff going on at UCLA as they try to transition to the Big Ten. So uh, this is from Mark Shipper, uh, who is with SiriusXM and ESPN. He has this on um, social through his report. I'll repeat this again. Per multiple sources, Chip Kelly's not only looking to return to the NFL, he reached out directly to Kirk Ferentz in Iowa about the OC job. Chip knows his AD was gathering money to fire him last year after extending him the previous season before being halted by a shocked chancellor. And fans are flying fire chip banners over campus. It's not an ideal employment situation for him there. So he's just looking for a parachute. Yeah, and what's cheaper on UCLA? Just sit back and hold tight and, and hope he finds another job that doesn't cost you any money for him to walk away. It's not to fire him and, and owe him some sort of buyout. So I'm telling you, I think money is a part of this with UCLA keeping yeah. him around. And Chip Kelly is just th- saying, screw this. I don't, I don't want to be here. You don't really want me here. So I'm going to go find something else, which is understandable. I'm still not to the point where I'm ready to just give in to this mass exodus of great college coaches flocking to the NFL. First off, it's got to be opportunity also, right? Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College to be the Packers defensive coordinator, I think is a move that could have happened 15, 20 years ago because you could argue that that's a step up in certain circumstances. Now, when Mark Stoops leaves to be the defensive backs coach in the NFL, or if Hugh Freeze leaves Auburn to go be an OC in the NFL, then I'm going to look up and say, man, this is a real issue for the college game because guys now are well, flocking really good jobs and turning down that millions. you would think that is the ultimate job for them. And now they're going to go be someone's assistant in the NFL. Well, Hugh Freeze is making six and a half million. The average coordinator salary in the NFL is a million. But what I keep hearing about this is, and maybe Halfley is the example because he's taking a lot less, is um, they're making enough that the money ultimately doesn't matter enough if they're miserable and they just want to go coach football somewhere, they'll take a pay cut well, I think, to go coach in the NFL. Yeah, well, I, I think more. I think it's, it's much easier if you are a position coach or if you're a coordinator in college football to jump. We're about to see Ryan Grubb do that. About to see and, Liam Cohen do that, Liam too. Liam Cohen, too. Yeah, so, I mean, you, and Cohen's been back and forth for the last Cohen, couple I of seasons. Cohen, I think, is pretty much done to Tampa. That yeah. last check. Yeah, it, I mean, that was been reported, yeah. And, and Brian Grubb, who's the OC at Alabama with Kalen DeBoer, uh, reports are he's not even going to coach a game there because the Seahawks are – it's not official, but it's so – it's been reported by Pro Football Talk and Florio and others now. It seems like it's, uh, it's a matter of just dotting the I's and crossing the T's there. And you've got people in Seattle uh, that are, you know, they are banging the drum for him. So this is a huge including, blow, uh, Brock Heward. This is a huge blow for Alabama and Kentucky. And I reached out today about, hey, are there a couple names to mention if Grubb bounces? I'm told no names right now. Like yeah. no one did not come to mind, and you know who we're talking to down there. I, I'm willing to, yeah, he would know. He would know. I'm willing to bet that it, we're, they're going to go get some someone that Kalen DeBoer has a past with or knows 
that's at a smaller school as a head coach or an offensive coordinator of his philosophy that no one's thinking about and probably someone that has zero ties to Alabama or the SEC. That's going to be my guess for the description of the next OC for Alabama if this happens. If what about this, Chip If this Kelly? comes true, well, maybe. But I don't, I don't, I don't think he that – just called up Kirk Ferentz. I don't think Kalen DeBoer and Chip Kelly – I'd have to do some more research. I don't think they're that closely connected offensively. I'm just saying, like, with what they're doing. If you want to win the press But here's, here's the bottom line these are huge blows for Alabama oh, and, and Washington. I'm sorry, Alabama and Kentucky. Kentucky looks like it's done. If Ryan Grubb leaves, this was the biggest get for Kalen DeBoer. Because when Ryan Grubb did not get the head coaching job at Washington, that's a big win for Alabama and for DeBoer and that staff because he's terrific. Yep. If they lose him now, that, that's a tough blow for Alabama. I, 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 this sounds strange. I think Kentucky handles it better because they've, they've done this back-and-forth situation the last, what, three years? He's been years. one and done twice now. Twice now. So you've gone back and forth uh, with Stoops hiring a new OC. Um, me- well, they didn't get it right with Scarangelo. So right. now he gets another opportunity to get but, someone different. But you know if Cohen's coming back, he's probably leaving sooner rather than later, right? So... Um, I was laughing at what a Kentucky media member had a quote from earlier this year that said yeah. something about, you know, I asked Liam Cohen about, are, are you going to do another one and done? And he said, no, I, I'm back here to really put some roots down <laughs> in Lexington. Uh, I, this is where I want to be for a long time. And then a year later, he's headed back to hey, the NFL. And it, hey, that, that signals that Tampa is going to keep Baker Mayfield and pay him $40 million a year because Cohen worked with him at the very end of last season in Los Angeles with the Rams. I'm a little surprised I, that if that. Cohen was going to leave for an NFL job, it wasn't to the Titans to coach his former quarterback and Will Levis. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. He's back in the NFL. It surprises me. If you told me he's going to be back in the NFL, I would have immediately guessed he's going to be with the Titans on Callahan's staff to coach Will Levis. And instead he's going to Tampa to coach yeah, Baker Mayfield. Titans bring in OC, uh, what Nick Holes, who is, uh, a great friend of Brian Callahan and was an intern for the Raiders when his father was the head coach of the Raiders. He went to De La Salle in LA yeah, with, with Callahan. They were high school teammates together. Yeah. So uh, there are chummy. They're very chummy. The, the list of, you know, I've always said it's important to hire your friends first. <laughs> that's always, that's well, always the way to do it. You know, hire, hire your DeBoer, best friend. DeBoer tried to do that and did that technically. Yeah. It can work out. It can. I, also, so, I, I can't help but raise an eyebrow when I see a guy that hires his high school teammate uh, over the guy who coached uh, Will Levis to the best season he's ever had as a quarterback when you're trying to rely on the quarterback, the most important position in the NFL. That's a head-scratcher to me. Well, at least the coach knows he's going into year one, and if Levis isn't very good. Well, especially when you know that he could have been game. had. Now we know he could have been had because he's leaving for an NFL job. You're right. You're right. Chad, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's doing that. He is... Uh, he, he could have been had. Yeah. <laughs> and he was had. He's the OC now for the Las he's Vegas Raiders. He's had a lot. Yes. Prima nocta. He's had a lot. Um, he's Antonio got more Pierce now. hiring him. He's in Vegas. And hiring him over Chip Kelly. Kelly reached out to and, and was and talked at least twice, according to reports, to the Raiders, and they end up going with Kingsbury over Kelly. Cliff Kingsbury. Kelly's just wanting any job. Just anyone yeah, that wants Chip Kelly right now, call him up. He was praying that Ben Johnson was going to go to Washington so he could apply for that Detroit Lions OC job too. Chip Kelly's willing to go anywhere. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, a great-looking coach, goes from Lubbock, Texas, to Scottsdale, Arizona, 
where he lives, and now to Las Vegas. And in between. He's he, really like moving up. In between, in, uh, where was he? Was he in Prague? Where was yeah, he? Yeah, like the bachelor life, though, I'm thinking. Like, think about going from Lubbock to Scottsdale to now Vegas for unmarried Cliff Kingsbury. He's, he's leveling up each time. Not in job, because he was head coach at both those places, and now he's a coordinator, but leveling up in atmosphere. Chad, I'm looking up Kelly's buyout just to see what would happen here. Uh, and what UCLA may reduce it to if uh, they let him go. Because he's, I mean, again, where, where was Chip Kelly's name in, the, in, in just any of the NFL job searches? Just through the agents. I'm not even saying the, the teams have to be interested. But you would think his name would be floated out there for something instead of at the very end of the hiring cycle. Something else went down. I, I think we have a two-pronged problem right now in NFL media and, and coverage. One is... If Adam Schefter or about three or four other guys don't report it, and I'll, I'll throw You're, Diana Rossini into that too, a gal as well. Yeah. Four or five guys, gals. If they're not reporting it, no one's really paying attention to it. And those that could do a good job of really getting intel like this, that, hey, Chip Kelly's interviewing for the Raiders for a second time, or these things are happening, or this guy wants to get out. I think that we've diluted the market so much in media and spread it so thin that there's so many of these quote-unquote reporters that no one knows what to listen to. You cannot cut through the noise. So everyone sits back and waits for four or five people to report it, and if they don't, we're not talking about it. Yeah, but you can cut through the noise if you're the agent. You just literally write the tweet for them. I think three-pronged, too. I think there's a lot of people who own their own website that have been around the NFL for years and years that do a terrible job of covering the sport. And honestly, some of them do a really bad job of covering the team they've been around for years. I think there is a dearth of those reporters right now. I think they've probably given up too and said no one cares unless these four or five people report it. So I'm not even going to try anymore. But I think that's a shame. I think there's well, too many. And I think I think it's there's too many and there's too many that aren't doing a good job. It's a great, and everyone's just relying on four or five. See, and if they don't say it, we don't know about it. See, I think it's a great conversation here because I think also the the league itself is funneling more of that type of news to the networks that they're in partnership with. So if you break off and do your own site, or if you're with a you know uh, fan side, and I'm trying to think of another example, uh, SI, um, uh, any of the other sites that you would... The teams now are either employing the best beat writer in town to write for their site, or their, the national coverage is funneled through the networks, through the agents and the, the league, because of the partnership there, because of the billions. I think that's more... Uh, of that, Ian Rappaport, by the way, is about to be free agent. Yeah, and he's he's someone and ESPN who, he's is going to be running scoop. NFL Network. Yeah, he's someone who gets scoop all the time. So this will be a good test. I, I just <laughs> I, I, I think and back and I'm it. like, you know, Hutton of the of the stuff that we'll hear about just in in circles of you're people. Right. Like, there's no, not right. one person at UCLA who was miffed about Kelly knowing he was going to interview that didn't tip off a UCLA guy. And even if the UCLA guy said, "I can't report it because then I won't have access because UCLA is going to be mad at me." for saying their coach is interviewing and wanting to go somewhere else, doesn't tip off another friend that's a national guy with NFL or college football that can report it, that can source it out their own way there. I just, I don't know. I'm I'm underwhelmed in many ways with sports media. I think we're in a time where you can be entertained in many ways, and it's probably better than ever when it comes to sports entertainment 
I think we are reaching a low point, even though we're at the high point of quote-unquote journalist. I think we're reaching the low point of actual sports journalism work being done. It's a great I, – I, I, you're headed in a path where I think it's a bigger a, topic a for another day. discussion, yes. Uh, you know who's not going to be mentioned in coaching circles is Brad Bohannon, baseball coach at Alabama. Uh, 15 year show costs. He can come coach my softball tra- at you travel. 15 team. year show costs. I've got an idea long. for him for Bohannon in a moment. But it, here is the penalty handed down. Bohannon at Bama's, of course, uh, he violated the uh, sports betting, wagering, and ethical conduct rules, leaking information to uh, someone up in Ohio, uh, a friend of his, so he could uh, make some money or try to make some money at a window in Ohio on a game where Bohannon leaked info that a pitcher against LSU wasn't going to be on the mound and did this prior to that information being announced. So they they caught him at the three-year probation, $5,000 fine. I think the probation is, I laughed at that when I saw that up top. Uh, 15-year show cause. And if hired during the 15-year show cause, Bohannon is suspended for five regular seasons. Uh, head to Major League Baseball it's, and coach in the minors, man. Look, it's as close to the death penalty as a coach could ever get. Yeah. Is, is that. I mean, that's just saying. Um, I mean, who, what college. You know what I would do? Is going to try to, I, I don't, I never heard of Brad Bohannon until this scandal. And this is no offense to Brad Bohannon's coaching acumen or his career. I have no clue what the guy's been up to. Not a huge college baseball guy. But I'm willing to bet that Brad Bohannon is not so talented as a college baseball coach or baseball coach in general, that he is worth putting your neck on the line if you're a school. If it's just worth the headache of doing this at any point in time. Brad Bohannon needs to go coach middle school baseball. Chad. If he really loves the sport, he can go coach a travel team. He can go coach high school. He's not going to coach in college ever again. I want him and Connor Stallions to host a podcast. Uh, I'd love it. I I would love it. You know an idea that I saw yesterday? The pariahs of the college year. I'm glad you brought that up, and I saw this uh, floating around on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, yesterday. I want Outkick to go get both of them right now. I would love. That's a great idea. Both both guys would be amazing. Um, that w- we volunteered to host it with them and just ask those guys oh, questions about how they would handle it. Great idea I saw, though, was Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Now they're both out of coaching. Someone said they should host a bar rescue-like show <laughs> where they go to programs that are failing and save them. They spend a week with them, and they talk to the coach, oh. talk to the AD, and they show their solutions for how to do it. A high school program? You know, college program, it doesn't have to just be major college. And this, but they go into someone that's a mess, and they clean it up in their time there, just like the dude with the ponytail from Bar Rescue. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm really guy's I, name. I, like, it's a show that I end up watching in a hotel. Pony. I know, yeah. Right? Like, when you're surfing through, way. I'm like, I will sit here and just, as, oh, I'm, yeah. as I'm getting ready in a hotel, what I'll show put is those this? on oh, and get dude with on the ponytails on. Yeah. <laughs> the dude that looks like he's in 1988 yeah, with the, the slick back black hair and ponytail. That guy. Oh, man. I, I like the Stallions Bohannon podcast idea, too. Yeah. Just, you know, we've got Trey Wallace, uh, the Trey Wallace podcast. He's uh, coming up with uh, some the latest information added to the story where the NCAA and the crosshairs of the uh, state of Tennessee, Commonwealth of Virginia. We'll, we'll have to ask him what he thinks also, uh, Hutton, about your idea for oh, yeah, the yeah. Bohannon we'll, we'll Stallions we'll podcast for Outkick. Uh, Chad, Valentine's Day right around the corner, the Love Doctor. Uh, is is here. It's Chad Withrow uh, for Valentine's Day. He's prescribing Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You've got the uh, 20% off deal right now at Manscaped.com with the code HOTMIC. you got a lot going on. Let's talk about the hero of Valentine's Day also. The lawnmower. 
5.0 Ultra. Chad Withrow, MD here. The electric trimmer features skin-safe technology, guarding your V-Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. Guard my balls, please. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls, and your date will thank you. That's, that's art. How? That's art is what that is. That is poetry in the highest order. <laughs> I'm telling you, they've got so many products at Manscaped right now. You need to get to the website and get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOTMIKE. HOTMIKE, all together. H-O-T-M-I-C, manscaped.com is the website. HOTMIKE is the code that's going to get you 20% off with free shipping. That's at manscaped.com. Grooming updates, a grooming upgrade awaits, ready to charm. Your Valentine dates at manscaped.com. Hey, they've got the, uh, the the beard trimmers and more. Nose hair trimmers? Yeah. All sorts of trimmers. Manscaped.com. All the trimmers. 20% off with the code HOTMIC plus free shipping. Trey Wallace joins us next with the latest on the NCAA investigation and claims, allegations, and lawsuits involving the state of Tennessee and the crosshairs that the University of Tennessee seems to be Speaking under. Speaking of hair. What's going on there? Yeah, that, a lot of hair that's talk. right. Yeah, that's next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We're glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow here, Friday edition. Uh, Chad, we've got plenty of gear where we can... Uh, you know, get ready for it. Feels like spring today, right? It's a weird time. Looks and feels like spring. Yeah, a week and a half ago, we were in a frozen tundra, and now it feels like spring. 70 yeah. degrees right Here now. in the Mid South, you've got to gear up for winter and spring for about a five month period. You can do that with the Outkick store hoodies, plus t shirts, hats, polos, and more. Shop.outkick.com. Uh, Chad, you're a big fan of Travis Matthews. I am. That's uh, available through the gear there. Most likely to yell at the ref. You've got some softball coming up. Umpires are also included there. Hope I don't have to do too much yelling this weekend. Yeah, got a tournament coming up. Shop.outkick.com is where you go. Trey Wallace, also with Outkick. He's been covering the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl practices throughout the week. And uh, we'll recap that. Trey, uh, hope things are well. We want to lead off with a, a report that you had, some breaking news, uh, right as we went on the air. Um, Tell yeah. us what, what the latest is and what you've uncovered with what the NCAA is really looking into and how they're lumping things together against the University of Tennessee athletic program. Yeah, what's up, guys? Good to join y'all again. It's, it's an interesting dynamic what the NCAA is in Tennessee or, or um, at the crosshairs at. Um, and we're talking about the investigation. We're not talking about technically the lawsuit right now. Right, right. Uh, the event, right. The investigation this is from the NCAA stance. Correct. This okay. is from the NCAA stance. So I'll just get right into it. The, the NCAA last season, uh, Tony Vitello was suspended uh, for a number of games. Tennessee self-imposed it. They handled it, released a statement, did it, blah, blah, blah. Um, Rod Clark, assistant coach, basketball under Rick Barnes. He had a compliance issue about a year and a half ago, two years, a timeline right there. Uh, he was suspended first two games of the season. Um, it was taken care of. Tennessee released a statement, did everything they were supposed to do. Blah, blah, blah. Go on. And the problem now is the NCAA, and this has been a sticking point between Tennessee and the NCAA for the last couple months. The NCAA is bundling these cases, the one against Tony, one against Rod Clark, um, and there there could be other small ones out there, but they're bundling these cases and making that 
trying to make that one of the points of emphasis when it comes to hammering Tennessee with a potential lack of institutional control. It's very interesting to see how the NCAA is going about this because the NCAA investigated Tony last year. They investigated Rod Clark, and the punishments were handed down. Now, the Tony Vitello situation, a little more fluent. There was still a little bit of stuff going on this summer and and, in the early fall. But the problem is now is that Tennessee has maintained their innocence, as you can see throughout the week, yep. um, that they committed zero NIL violations. The problem is the lack of institutional control and them coming back in the NCAA saying, well, wait a minute. Okay, you had this problem with your baseball coach. You also had this problem with your basketball coach. And now we're looking into you know NIL problems from a few years ago. Uh, and whatnot. So the NCAA is is like saying, okay, screw it. We're going to try to add all of these together to really hit Tennessee. And Tennessee has fought back against this. For the last number of months, Tennessee, this has been a very, very big argument because Tennessee wants those cases taking out of the argument and what's going on right now. But the NCAA is not bending when it comes to that situation. So that's why, from an investigation part of this, in the notice of allegations that I expect Tennessee would receive uh, in a short period of time, I think personally it's going to be kind of laughable. Some of the things that are in this report that come out that the NCAA is trying to get Tennessee for. And, and especially, and the biggest thing too, guys, is especially for something that has already been handled. You know, that that that's the other thing as well. So trying to ramp things up. And by the way, this is the kicker out of all of it. The Tony Vitello stuff went down and the Rod Clark stuff went down during a time period that Tennessee was in discussions with the NCAA over a penalty. Yep. So they, they weren't worried about those penalties and infractions beforehand when they met this summer up North, I think it was Cincinnati, but now all of a sudden the NCAA is, oh, wait a minute. You remember those cases? Well, that's something we could try to get Tennessee on. It's very, it's an interesting dynamic between both parties right now. Well, and I, look, I think the NCAA is, is desperate right now and they're grasping at straws because this is directly in the statement from Danny White. Quote, after reviewing thousands of Tennessee coach and personnel phone records, NCAA investigators didn't find a single NIL violation. So they moved the goalpost to fit a predetermined outcome. So they're adding Tony Vitello and Rod Clark to nothing because they don't have anything on a Tennessee employee, which brings it back to me, Trey, to something I said from the beginning. They're not going after Tennessee. They don't plan on punishing Tennessee at all. They want Tennessee to disassociate from Spire. They want Spire to go away. Tennessee's not going to do that. So all they have left is to threaten Tennessee with bowl bans and lack of institutional control and everything else. And, and it sh- certainly seems like Tennessee's not going to do that. And the repeat violator thing, that, that's, been, that's thrown out there so many times. Repeat violator. Um, I, I look at this, for, look, I, I look at it from both sides here. Like, do I think Tennessee potentially committed maybe a couple violations right when NIL started? Sure. Along with 125 other different schools in college football. Um, I, I think that, them, the NCAA being the NCAA, 
trying to, and it, it's not as if they're trying to come back and punish. I want to make this clear. They're not trying to come back and punish Rod Clark, the assistant basketball coach, any further. They're not trying to come back and, and, and punish Tony Vitello any further. They're just using those cases as an example as to why Tennessee has no institutional control. And again, I go back to it. Why was this not brought up when you're sitting in front of the NCAA infractions committee this past July? And, 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 and so now you've got a battle on your hands. You're fighting the NIL part of it when it comes to the notice of allegations and, and, and what's being, what was also reported earlier in the week by Pat 40. Okay. And, and, and then the New York times put in there, the private jet. Okay. Well, according to my sources, those buyers got receipts. How for does Charlie Baker travel? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, the NCAA, in my opinion, after talking to multiple sources over the, this last week, Tennessee fans are going to be pissed when the notice of allegations comes out and realizes what the university was having to deal with and argue with over the last number of months with the NCAA regarding potential lack of institutional control. And and I just, and that's why you have seen Tennessee come out strong. Now, look, if, 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 if Dondi and Danny White, Dondi Plowman and Danny White, you know, if they didn't feel as strong as they did, that Tennessee has done nothing wrong, I promise you they would not be releasing statements like this. You don't see Scott Strickland at Florida releasing statements like Danny White has been doing this week or even the chancellor is doing. Tennessee is hell-bent that they didn't do a darn thing wrong, and you better come up with something better than, hey, a bundle package. Like they're like like it's almost like they're trying to put Tennessee as like a direct TV package and figure out how we can put this thing together to make it cost the most in the long run. So lack of institutional control. I mean, they have uh, NCAA has had lack of control here. It's why, speaking of statements, Greg Sankey and, and Tony Petit are, are saying the the whole thing uh, with yes. uh, what we, the alliance we have today. Trey, um, what do you think Greg Sankey thinks about the Tennessee situation? He wouldn't comment on it directly. Yeah. And while they're back in the NCAA from the framework uh, and, and, of course, the, the monetary gain that they have from their partnership there. Um, what if Tennessee just said, uh, and behind, the, behind the scenes, it's just like, well, Sankey's going to back us, so we're going to be Michigan now. We're not going to be it's Tennessee very, of last year. We're going to be Michigan now. It's very interesting. If you read the statement from the chancellor, here's the thing. A lot of people did not, the public did not see this, but... Tennessee, when they sent over the chancellor's statement, yeah. they also sent all email correspondence to the NCAA over the past two months trying to get in front of them. One of those emails was, hey, Greg Sankey talked to Charlie Baker okay. about this last week, this important matter. Why won't you guys sit down and discuss it with us more? So Greg Sankey, in my opinion, I don't think I'm reading this wrong, Greg Sankey has already spoken with the NCAA about Tennessee and taken up for Tennessee right. regarding this current matter. And, and, I don't, and, and Petiti took up for the NCAA by suspending Harbaugh. I mean, again, like the both, right. both of them have, have voiced concern and have acted in some way here. And don't forget, and don't forget, Greg Sankey was sitting with Tennessee officials at their NCAA hearing this past summer. 
Yes. So that that's something to also yeah. keep in mind. And what he said to Ross Dellinger today from Yahoo Sports, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But he said, you know, we want to try to figure this thing out, especially when it comes to litigation and other matters. So I I, I think he is saying a lot by not really saying anything. What happens at Alabama at OC if Grubb takes the Seahawks job? Do you have any idea? <laughs> That's going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, I, 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 I couldn't name you an offensive coordinator right off the top of my head, um, right? But I do know that that, that I, I do know that these these hirings uh, are coming at really wild times for college coaches because usually we're already settled. Look at the Chip Kelly news. There's a reason why Jimmy Sexton is putting out Chip Kelly news over the last two days when it comes to the Raiders and the Commanders. Chip Kelly wants out of UCLA after surviving this past season. Um, and now you look at it potentially with Grubb leaving, you got to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, who can recruit in this South? Who can run this offense and whatnot? So the board would have to make a really tough decision especially when he's been on campus, what, probably three and a half weeks now? Well, let me throw out just a hypothetical. There's another wave of the portal coming in, right? Absolutely. What's Jalen Milrow think about all this? That's that, that's a that's a great point. And if you don't get this right, I mean, again, uh, Grubb was just there. You got spring practice just around the corner. If you don't get this right for Milrow, peace. Well, here's another thing, too. And I'm just going to throw out a name. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not reporting anything. Yeah. But who's to say Will Rogers doesn't jump back in the portal okay. after after spring practice wow, in Washington? What a, a merry-go-round there. And Kalen DeBoer's like, well, you know what? I recruited him to come up there. I know what happened and why he stayed in Washington. Maybe I can get him now. Like there's just there's so many dominoes that could fall over the next three months, and that and that's what's going to make uh, the portal period even crazier, in my opinion. Yep. So, Trey, when you see Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College as head coach to go be defensive coordinator with the Packers, and you see Chip Kelly wanting out at UCLA, yeah. is that a sign of things to come with more college head coaches taking coordinator jobs in the NFL because they want to get away from college football? Or are these just specific instances of two guys who want out of their current situation because they don't feel like they can win at, at those spots and they want to go to the NFL for that reason? Chad, that's a great question, and I think the 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 day and age of college football and what we're in is is changing, and it's changing every single day. By the way, um, the the calendar is horrible for coaches, and I know people look. People are not going to have sympathy for coaches making from three hundred thousand dollars up to ten million dollars a year. I totally understand that, but I wrote about this two years ago. Former Tennessee quarterback T. Martin decided he wanted out of the college game because he was tired. He was tired of the everyday grind. He was tired of what NIL was in the first year. Um, he was also sick and tired of the portal and having to recruit kids and stay on the phone till one o'clock in the morning with a kid, you know, that, that wants to play video games. Sometime enough is enough. And you have to have a family life as well. Some of these coaches that are veterans, they want to be home at six o'clock, not two o'clock in the morning. You know, and that's a big thing that stood out to me at the Senior Bowl this week. I asked a number of assistant coaches who've been in the college ranks, hey, what's the biggest difference? And they all said, I get to enjoy a family life. Yeah. I'm home by 6 o'clock at night. I'm not staying at the complex, spending the night. And I know this is a short answer for a long question, but what I'm getting at is that every day that this college football era changes and the calendar doesn't change, I think it's going to drive more folks to try to get NFL jobs, which both of you know come at a premium. There's not a lot of them out there. 
So it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when it comes to the college game uh, over the next year. Yeah, I was I was listening to Rick Neuheisel recently, and he's he has a son or a nephew that's coaching currently. He was like, man, yeah. I, I'm worried about his stress level. Like it's it's ridiculous just how he's always on, and he barely sees the guy. Right? Like it's just I right just from the but beneath the surface of just the coordinators and the coach. Look at the assistant coaches or the the analysts and what they're doing. It's it's constant constant work you have from, coaches from willing level. to take pay cuts guys to, to go to the nfl yeah and and be significant be, ones too right an offensive assistant or something like that when you could make you know two to three million dollars at a power five school doing it. It, it, it you're going to see more of it and i think and i'll end it with this i, I think that with chip kelly throwing his name out there. And a lot of that has to do with Jimmy Sexton, but he is interested. This was yeah. talked about at the senior bowl all oh, week. Hey, there's a report that he timing. reached out to Ference in Iowa. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, again, it, we talked about that earlier too, Trey. Like he, he's looking to, to bounce. He's looking for a parachute. Hey, give us a, a 60 second synopsis of the quarterbacks that you observed at the senior bowl. Yeah. I love Michael Penix. Uh, I love his hand size. Love the way the ball comes out. I mean, the guy can sling it down the football field. He was accurate this week. He really was. Michael Pratt was a name that everybody talked about last season. Mm -hmm. Um, got dinged up, didn't play a lot this year, but I do think that he has a future in the NFL. Um, I I don't know if that's drafted or not, or undrafted free agent, but I I really did like him. And then, you know, you kind of look at the obvious ones real quick. The names, the familiar ones, Bo Bo Nix, you know, is a guy that that I think can do some some damage in the NFL if he's in the right system. Um, I thought Joe Milton could have had a better week, to be okay. honest with okay. you. Um, accuracy. And so, yeah, accuracy um, in the same thing. And then Spencer Rattler, to be honest with you, outside of Phoenix and Bo Nix, I thought Spencer Rattler had the best week at the quarterback position at the Senior Bowl. Uh, that's light up the radar there. Bo Nix is interesting, Chad, because I, I don't know where he lands in the draft. Third, second round. I don't know, I don't know. what system fits him, guys. Yeah. I, I, he did a great, hey, he benefited a lot by going to Oregon. So, right. Yes. There, there's not I, a lot much, of guys though, I don't know. in this draft. We'll talk more about it and get your recap another time, Trey. I don't yeah. see a lot of guys that just fit anywhere. Yeah. The best quarterback's Agreed. the one that you just say, I mean, Joe Burrow, right? This guy, you could make it work in any system. With, with this guy, when they're coming out of uh, college. I don't hey. know that I can say that about these guys. I feel like they all need a specific coach or supporting cast or system to work. How would Caleb Williams fit with Chip Kelly at Washington? I mean – Should be a hell of a good time. He's, he's, could, dude, could work, you know, but yeah, I, I know. but he's another guy that I, I look at and I say, not every system's going to fit You're right. Caleb Williams either. But, but would, you, would y'all say on the way out here that Michael Penix and the system that he was in at Washington where he was able to sit in the pocket – and just throw the football. You know, I know he escaped every now and then and got up and down the field, yeah. but that probably fits him a little bit better than the other quarterbacks in this draft. He's the closest to it, but he's like six feet tall, which Correct. is a little bit yeah. concerning. So, uh, but what yeah, arm, I, I think just from a accuracy, uh, anticipation, all that, yeah, he he would fit most NFL offense. There, so I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Trey, uh, looking forward to the Trey Wallace podcast available at outkick.com. And as always, great work covering uh, the day-to-day news, and there's plenty of it across college football. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Trey. Trey Wallace there. Again, Outkick.com's senior college football reporter. Chad, coming up, I want to rank the best coaching hires. Let's do it. And you can rip me apart for some of these coaches that I'm going to have listed. I think I'll surprise you with a couple of them, and I think number one's pretty obvious. And then we can talk dumpster fires. There's been plenty of that. Yes. That's next to the hot mic.